I'm Ari Mizell, and I'm in person at Ludlow House today with the founder of Croissant App, and that is not a food service. It's something I've talked about many times on the podcast here. So I'm here with Zoltan Salas. So thank you for agreeing to do this interview on one minute's notice. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Ari. So just to be fair for Zoltan and everyone listening, we had a meeting scheduled, and then I told him I wanted to just do an interview. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> you kind of just laid it on me. Just laid it on you. So, sure. so this is completely unprepared, so it's real. So when you talk about what Croissant is, first of all, for those who don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So Croissant is essentially it's an app that aggregates all the co-working spaces in your city. And as opposed to getting multiple memberships, what our app does, what our what our app allows you to do is you can is you can go to just about all of them with one membership. I'll facilitate it through the app. It's very much in real time. So it removes a lot of the friction as well as having to go and tour every single one of them, vet them. So we kind of have this uh, curated platform for our members. What need did you think that you were filling originally when you thought of this? So it's actually interesting. There's four co-founders and I'm one of them. And we had originally started out with a completely different idea, right? We had this company that we wanted to serve HR benefits to employees and like a Groupon model, right? So we did that for about five months and we really didn't see any sort of validation. But what we did realize is we were kind of like bouncing around from coffee shop to coffee shop, taking meetings. And at that time, co-working was just kind of... It, you know, when, I mean, when was this? This was back in like early 2015. Okay. So co-working is was definitely not where it is now. It was kind of just starting to, to really hit that uh, hit that pseudo mainstream. Um, and then we also realized that when we went into these co-working spaces, they were just they were just very very expensive, and they didn't serve the specific need that we needed, which is to be able to bounce around to multiple yeah. locations and take meetings. So the technical co-founders, which is, which I'm not one of, but the technical co-founders, they went to TechCrunch and hacked out this really cool product that would essentially allow you to book uh, seats at a coffee shop. So that idea was like, hey, I'm having a meeting, so it's, so you know, at Think Coffee or something like that, I could reserve three, four spots in advance, you know, for like oh. a fraction of a fa- fraction of some money, and then you know everybody's happy, you get to have a meeting, etc. And what we found out through market research is that coffee shops weren't very receptive to this. Hmm. So one day we were walking by the yard on the Lower East Side and we were like, hey, why don't we just try pitching this to a co-working space like totally randomly? Kind of like how you asked me to do the interview. Yeah. We were literally like, let's just go in and pitch it to a co-working space. Seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. And and we, we were talking to the receptionist, Yukiko, and you know we kind of gave her this uh, decent, not well thought out pitch. And she was like, uh, she was like, yeah, sure. You know, pass it by my boss and we'll let you know if we're interested. And we were like, all right, we're never going to hear from these people again. And was it, I think like 24 or 48 hours later, she sent us an email and she's like, hey, we're interested in this. So then we had to rush to build out. We built out this product. And then, you know, while they, while the technical co-founders were building out products, I ran around town, you know, getting more spaces on board. So, and then we launched. That is awesome. Okay. I had no yeah. idea that, that was a story. So well, you have product validation, I guess, before you, you yeah. jumped into it. So what is the one thing? So one thing for people who aren't familiar too is it's very affordable. I mean, like really right. affordable, honestly. I think it, it works out to like four or five dollars an hour mm-hmm. is what you end up paying. And yeah, it, it, someone like me, uh, I'll, I'll work from home often. But if I have a meeting uptown right. or somewhere else, I really want to, I'd prefer to go an hour early, sit in a co-working space, get some stuff done, and then head over to the meeting and vice versa. So plus, 
you know, there's facilities in different co-working spaces that you can take advantage of. There's one in Midtown called, not Midtown, in the Flatiron District called Rise that has yep. a podcasting mm-hmm. room, you know. Yeah. Like, so there's different amenities in those different ones that you can really use. What's really in it for the co-working space, though? Are they hoping to get members out of it? or? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty simple. So we, we negotiate a, a discounted fee with the co-working spaces that's obviously, you know, uh, favorable to us because, you know, we, we've been around for three years. But that's not the biggest value add for the co-working spaces. So it's interesting because for users, we're a curated platform of co-working spaces. But for the co-working spaces, we're basically a marketing company. When you become a co-working space on our platform, you pa- you tap into this network of, of you know, thousands of people, um, you know, uh, thousands of followers on social media. Mm. Um, so it, it's really what you're tapping into this is this is this network effect, you know, and that's the biggest thing for the co-working spaces is is that they get exposure, they get foot traffic, they get members, they get word of mouth. Um, and we do a great job of, of you know, highlighting the co-working spaces that are on our platform. So it's the small revenue that they do get or the revenue that they do get is one part of it. But the biggest benefit for them is the co-working spaces. You know, if you ask, if you ask the spaces, you know, we've, we've delivered them members, we've delivered them uh, conference room bookings. So it's all these it's all these things that we're able to do that they can't do, right? Like yeah. think like for example, like think of like if you're if you're a co-working space with one with one uh with one location, it's very hard to go up against somebody like WeWork who's spending millions of dollars a month on advertising, yeah. right? So what we're able to do is we're like, "Hey, we already have a group of people that love using our product. Come be on this thing and you will get people to your door." And even if you don't see any conversions into memberships, you'll get people through the door. You'll get you'll get word of mouth, and you'll get you know, and you'll get some sort of revenue. So that makes total sense. Now, my favorite co-working space uh, on the platform is Port, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is uh, in the um, Cooper Union area in New York City here, and it's uh, it's really cool. It's a coffee shop with a co-working space behind it. Um, so I can imagine. First of all, I know that any if you're going to go in there, you're going to be buying coffee, you're going to be buying things right. for them. But I've also I've told a lot of people that it is my favorite space, and I have plenty of friends who are not on croissant and they go to port a lot now too so that that actually makes a lot more sense because i was thinking like the, the the money couldn't possibly translate to something that was really useful for the co-working space it's got to be that that network effect as you said mm-hmm. that's great so how do you what's sort of your criteria for picking a co-working space for the platform uh that's a great question um do you have an idea how many there are in new york for example yeah i believe there is about last time i checked i think there was 176. That was about the beginning of this year. So I'm I'm almost positive there's about over 200 now. And New York City, believe it or not. So here's here's an interesting here's an interesting tidbit. New York City is actually one of, if not one, if not the biggest market for co-working spaces in the world. And I thought it was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And then when we went to 500 startups in San Francisco, I was. I was surprised and almost shocked by the fact of how few co-working spaces there are out there, comparatively speaking mm-hmm. to something like New York. Because, you know, you'd figure it's like startup. It's like startup, uh, you know, it's like the startup capital of the world. You got Silicon Valley. So you would figure that there would be a co-working space on the on every corner. But that that was not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, but then, so then what's sort of your criteria? Oh, so the criteria is we do our due diligence based on a couple of things, mainly online presence. See what kind of online presence they have. Um, if they're in New York, we generally do a visit mm-hmm. and then we invite them to be on the platform. Initially, if you are a co-working space, you know, and you have, we have turned down spaces before, 
Um, I would probably say that we have like a, like a 90% acceptance rate. But what we do then is once we bring a space on board, we monitor we monitor the user feedback on that space. Yeah, so that's, and, that's something that you guys get that they probably don't even get themselves. Exactly. So, And it's really interesting because that's something... So it's, it's beneficial for the space as well because if, if, for example, like if somebody has an issue with something... We're more that we bring it up to the space and we're like, hey, this happened in the spaces. Most of the time, the space is like, oh, thank you so much for notifying us. We had no idea. Mm-hmm. So it's very much a user feedback driven. Well, and, and your users actually have something to compare it to, right? Because right. they're bouncing around <laughs> right. different places. So, exactly. I mean, because I've definitely, there there have been ones that it, it's not that the co working space was not good or something, but it was just like, it, it wasn't, it didn't work for me. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't how I wanted to work. And also, you know, some of them have, uh, you can have a standing desk while you're there, or some of there's a big, you know, common area, some mm-hmm. whatever. So it, they're all just very different. So that does give you a really good point of comparison too, mm-hmm. which is which is really interesting. And then so then, but you also have the community side of it as well. So right. like one of the things that you know people pay their membership, but we work for is to be able to post to like community boards and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you've essentially done that in the app. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a community board in the app, um, and we actually asked, recently um, added a really cool feature. It's called co-working sessions. And essentially what they are is is almost like I would call them, you know, uh, <laughs> mini meetups. Mm-hmm. So it's usually it's usually anywhere from five to seven people. And it's very, very niche. So, for example, uh, when you go on our app, if you go to the community sections right above the uh, right above the forum, there is there is a list of uh, co-working sessions that are coming up. And they range from anything like um, like an idea exchange to, you know, SEO specialists or a specialist getting together and saying, hey, any other SEO specialists out there want to brainstorm or if anybody needs help, they invite them. And that's actually been really helpful because we just had our uh, croissant happy hour last week and I was speaking to a couple of members, one of the people who had hosted these co-working sessions. Oh, and by the way, and anybody can host them. You just if you want to host one, you basically just, mm. you know, process a request to us and we approve it. And he was saying how useful it's been in terms of getting clients, but he's not holding these sessions to as a sales process. He's just, you know, offering people value. And at the end of it, a couple of people came up and they said, hey, like, can you consult me on this? Mm-hmm. And that's I think that that's very valuable to our members is the fact that they have they have access to, you know, to clients and to other people that might need something like that or that just have, you know, kind of like a common uh, problem or view. Yeah, for sure. So now uh, we'll talk about the company a little bit more too now. So what's the team look like? There is five of us. There's four co-founders and we hired our first full-time employee at the beginning of May, Georgette, who's mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, she does. Uh, uh, she's been coordinating our events, and she does uh, community management, and she's building out our uh, our ambassador program right now as well. That's basically like within the members. You know, if you get chosen to be an ambassador, you kind of get these extra perks. You know, and you get to preview uh, products features before they get released to everybody else. I'll have to, um, I'll have to talk to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then there's Nisha who does all of our branding and design. So, you know how the app is so. Uh, <laughs> so awesome friendly and just visually easy yeah, to use is. that's all her she's and she's amazing adam he's he did all the um he did all the web stuff and he does a lot of the function the functionality um and then there's dave he handles he handles the app development and a lot of the other technical stuff as well and what's your primary? so i do i do business development partnerships and uh and paid marketing Okay, and then yeah. are you guys in an office? Are you in different co-working spaces? No, we've we very much uh, 
we've very much um, adapted the the remote working culture. So actually, um, only fifty percent of us are actually in this city. Okay. At the moment, yeah. And how do you guys communicate mostly? We use Slack and Skype. Yeah. Why Skype? We we use Zoom. I'm just interested. <laughs> I don't know. It's been just very good to use for me. Zoom is just a little. I don't know. There's too many steps for me. It's like you know, you have to create a Zoom. You have to create a Zoom. Uh, a, a Zoom. You have to create a room, and then you have to take that link, and then you have to send it to somebody, and then that person has to click on it and come in. And with Skype, it's just like, hey, we're having a team meeting. You just call the person. It rings on the phone. You pick it up. So I think it's just a little uh, smoother for us. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the one of the, so for us, one of the things is we have over, almost 200 people on the team, and we actually oh, have wow. Zoom calls with over 100 people, <laughs> um, which are really fun, but which yeah. you can't do on Skype. But no, I do get that. You get that push aspect for sure. Um, okay, so then, so and you personally, where are you usually working? I usually I usually work at Arise. At Arise? Oh, at okay. Arise, yeah. On 23rd, and then, uh, yeah. On 23rd Street, yeah. yeah. That's a and great then, space. Uh, it is, it is. And then my other, uh, my other favorite space... Um, that was be my next question. What's your favorite co-working <laughs> space in the city? I'm not, I shouldn't really be saying this. I should be saying they're all my favorites. Um, but uh, there's a space called Space 530. I don't know. It's that over one. on uh, 37th Street. I like it because they serve, uh, I think that's the only space that I've been to that serves nitro cold brew on ah, tap for that's coffee. A nice, so that, <laughs> that's a nice perk. Where is it? On um, 37th and 7th, right in the fashion district. Okay, that's cool. I've been, I probably worked in about 12 to 15 of the different spaces. So, at, what kind of um, like analytics or data are you guys looking at other than you know, user feedback? But do you look at sort of patterns of usage or things? I mean, I don't know. Uh, we do. So, we're collecting a ton of data on how people are working. And, and, and to be 100% honest with you, we're probably not looking at it to the full extent where we could do. Mm-hmm. Um, derive the most value out of it but we are looking at certain things um you know we are tracking like how many generally how often people bounce around how many locations they go to what locations get used the most and you know we kind of think about why um and you know i mean a lot of times it breaks down to uh two of the biggest components is you know just geography and vibe you know for example like rises in on 23rd street and Flatiron. you know they're going to get a lot more traffic than let's say you know, perhaps a space in Williamsburg. Yeah, that's, green, green that's desk more, in, uh, in Dumbo is where I used to go a couple of times. Exactly, which that kind of data is a little more obvious. But um, but what's been interesting is just how um, like like how people are moving around to different spaces. Yeah, that's because what generally what we've noticed is people because people like variety, yeah. right? But even even if you give everybody all the co working spaces in the world, most of them will use two or three maximum. Yeah. yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, so that's I, so I live in Dumbo, and I my kids go to school right near Port, so I was using Port mm-hmm. yeah. and Green Desk quite a bit. But then there was the odd one that I'd sort of pop around to. But yeah. it, it's funny, yeah. But I, and I would never want a membership at one or the other. I, you know, I, yeah. So it's it's really an amazing uh, thing that you've created, honestly. So how and, many, and sorry, just to go back to the yeah. analytics, I think I think one of the cool things that you know that I've been taught, I've been thinking about, and you know we've been uh, kind of thrown back and forth is we're kind of. We're kind of trying to like, you know, and in one part of me is like it could also almost be like a predictive analytics platform, right? Maybe like seeing how the trend in the market goes, right? Like if you're a co-working space coming in from, you know, and you don't know where to open up, you know, we're like, oh, well, you know, I don't know, like in Brooklyn, the the trend's been going, you know, usage has been going up. So that could be an indicator that the market or the supply side of the market is at least increasing there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, what are what are some of the bigger cities in terms of the number of partners that you have, like that you're in right now? So, New York is the biggest. In New York, we have about sixty partners. Uh, San Francisco, we have twenty 
four. Uh, in San Francisco, we have 27 with about three or four of them kind of coming and going um, based on different, uh, you know, if they have events or not. Yeah. Um, Washington, D.C. is an interesting city. We have about 37 partners there. But I would say that Washington is probably the lowest in terms of member count for the region, which I'm not. It's it's just an interesting city. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know of any startups that have started in Washington, <laughs> D.C. So. Yeah. So I think I think the market is just totally different down there. And, you know, yeah. you just have to take a different approach, which we're kind of working on fine tuning that now. Um, and then we have L.A., which in L.A. we have, I think, 26 spaces currently. Uh, Boston, I think we have three or four. And then uh, we're about to launch Chicago with about 12 spaces. Wow. Yeah. Can you tell me how many members you have? Uh, I can't say specific numbers, but uh, we have a couple of thousand. Okay, so that, yeah. that's all you need. Because so, I mean, in two years, you've grown from you know one to 170 right. spaces and yeah, 2,000 members. Like, what's what's one of the biggest learnings or mistakes maybe that you've had along the way? I think our, our team, especially um, Dave and Nisha, they're really, really good at paying attention to detail and how customers use the product and what they want. So they deal more closer to the customers. Mm -hmm. So for example, Dave to this, to this day, he, he still handles some of our customer support and that's, that's to kind of get the customer feedback. So I think, I think the biggest learning do you outsource that otherwise, or, uh, we do. So we do, uh, we have, uh, we have two customer service reps. Yeah. So we have, I think customer service is available, I think 12 hours out of the day now. So, uh, you know, that was just a necessity at, with a couple of thousand members. It's like, that's a, that's a full-time job. Yeah. Because not only do you have 2,000 members, but then you have 170 partners who have a completely different type of issues that you also have to take care of. But I think, I think, I think like to get, give you like a macro sense, like kind of like an overall learning. And I know this might be a little cliche, but to listen to, to like to listen to what your, what your customers want, right? So like our customers wanted... Because I don't think like like we're in an age where you know things are just so saturated, like it's hard to see like that hockey stiff curve that you might have seen like back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So I think growth happens in little increments when you give like a different type of value to our customers because that attracts a different segment. So to give you an example, one of the things early on that people wanted was like, oh, I need twenty four seven access, twenty four seven access, right? So we said, okay, people want twenty four seven access. Let's get you know three, four spaces on board. Let's just get the bases so covered downtown, exactly downtown, <laughs> midtown, uptown. Let's get those covered, and that captured a different segment. So that allowed us to tap into these type of users that would have otherwise canceled or would have not signed up because they didn't get twenty four seven. So right. I think if you listen to your customers and you provide them with these different features or different addition to your product that helps you capture more and more segments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the last question that we always like to ask on these interviews is what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? <laughs> top three pieces of advice to be more effective. That's it's interesting because I'm, uh, I'm always trying to figure out ways how, to, how I can be more effective. Um, I, think, I think one of the biggest learnings for me, and I think this has been because I'm, I've always been a sales guy, right? So I have never, it's been, I always knew there was a process, but I, it was, I was always very, um, I always strayed away from process as a sales guy because I was like, I know what I'm doing. You know, I can do it this way and I would always see results, but sometimes those results would take while it would take a little longer. Well, when you work with, uh, <laughs> three technical people, you know, that are engineers and are extremely process oriented, that's, that's what I like. That was one of the biggest learnings for me from the team is like, 
Like if you have a process around things and you just follow that process, it's, things just become more efficient. And I think that's been a big part of our growth too, is because we're, we're a very kind of process oriented team and we're still figuring out a lot of processes, but as long as you're, you're trying to, if you're trying to achieve X and you know, you've done it a couple of different ways and this is the fastest way to do it and you put a process behind that, then you can just repeat that, right? So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time. Number two, I'm actually practicing this myself right now because I have a coach on how to be more effective. And uh, I've been doing this for, I think, about a couple of weeks. And I was, if you are someone who's creating work that other, so she broke it down to me like this. She's like, there's two types of people. There's managers that all their job is just to check in with employees, make sure they're doing their job. And then there are creators, which are guys like, you know, you and me and any other entrepreneur. And she says, it's very important to have maker time. So like having that three hours out of the day where you do that one thing to achieve your goal for that week or for that month. So for right now, we're trying to launch Chicago. So this week, for example, you know, I spent three, four hours out of the day where all I am focused on is just space and partner acquisitions and locking those in and locking in the marketing for them. So that's number two. Number three, Download self-discipline app. (laughs) I forgot what it's called, but it's this app that essentially locks you out from websites that you Uh, frequent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's one called Forest too, I think. But yeah. Yeah. So I downloaded that and that's been really helpful because no matter what you do, you can shut off the app, you can turn off the computer. It's not going to let you go to those websites for that amount of time. Nice. Yeah. That's good. All right. So uh, where can people go to sign up for the web for the service? And also, is there like a new user deal or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have actually a seven day trial going on right now that's that you can take advantage of. And you just go to getcroissant.com, um, you know, select your region and you can... Literally, you can sign up right outside of a co-working space and two minutes later go in and uh, use them. Awesome. All right. Well, Zoltan, thank you so much. That was, that was great. <laughs> All right. It's, it was a pleasure. Thank you.